Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, uh, this, uh, this podcast today is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is an all-in-one podcast publishing and hosting platform. Podbean offers the easiest way to get started in podcasting. Now, Podbean's new mobile app for Android and iOS allows podcasters to record and publish podcasts right from their phone. As someone who has used Podbean not only for the podcast you're listening to, but also the uh, church I used to be a part of, our actual sermon podcast was through Podbean. Uh, as a loyal customer of many years, I highly endorse this product. And anyone who's looking to get started with getting a teaching, some content, uh, a podcast himself online, highly recommend you go check out my friends at Podbean.com. Go to Podbean.com backslash newsworthy for a little discount. Now, let me tell you about the podcast today. Sonia Richards-Ross wrote a new book called Chasing Grace, and we're going to talk about that one in just a second. Uh, If you don't know who she is, you're missing out. She is a superstar in the world of track and field. She has won multiple gold medals, and she is a UT grad, lives in Austin. Um, I reference her husband in here, and it's not going to make any sense to you if you don't realize that her husband... um, won a couple couple Super Bowls for the New York Giants as a football player, so that's a little background. Makes more sense if you know that. Um, anyway, this is a great conversation. Sonia's a super uh, fun person to talk to, and um, <clears throat> I was asked when I did the Rain Wilson interview if I kind of like fanboyed out on Rain Wilson because he's such a superstar. I'm not going to lie. Did that just a little bit with Sonia, and I might have even asked to see her gold medals after the podcast was over. Um, kind of a fanboy moment there. You guys didn't get to hear it, but it happened. So anyway, whatever. Um, here we go. Sonia Richards-Ross talking about a new book, Chasing Grace. Is it good? You sound outstanding. Okay, perfect. You sound like you were just on TV this weekend. I actually was. I know. I turned on the TV <laughs> and I was like, hey, hey. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so you've never done a podcast before, though. But I've never done a podcast. How, how have you gone this long in your career and never have, having done a podcast? Well, you know what's funny? I don't know. I've done a lot of radio interviews. I'm not sure if maybe one of them were actually podcasts, but I've never done one in person, uh-huh. like I'm doing with you today, Luke. So this is my first, and I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> but like you've done like the Bob Costa special like during the Olympics and yeah, all that. Yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of cool stuff with E! News and NBC and yeah. all that great stuff for um, dark, around the Olympics. But yeah, nothing like this. Well, congratulations on finally... <laughs> Getting a, a, a podcast to be on. Thank you. I'm like I'm so honored that this is the uh, first time you've done so a podcast. Am I. Thank you. Yeah. Now, um, I don't know where to start. Okay, so I I get uh, Zondervan is your yes. who's publishing this or yes. published this book, yeah. and um, so they send me. Okay, let, here's the books we got coming up. You mm-hmm. want to have so any of these people on? Mm-hmm. And I'm flipping through. I'm like, okay, I know this person. I know this guy. Yeah, I'll do mm-hmm. this one. And oh, there's Shauna's book. And then I see your name on. I'm like. Wait a minute! <laughs> I don't, like I'm a track fan, Yay. and I see your name, and I was like, "Yes!" And awesome. so I've got a friend of mine named Sean Adams mm-hmm. who does. He's a sports talk guy. Do you know? 
Yeah, yeah. Your house is not being torn down. They're, no, right? They're digging <laughs> we're, we're in the background. Adding on, we're adding on for the nursery, so forgive all the noise in the background. <laughs> we'll talk about the baby in a second. Okay, awesome. But uh, that look on your face was terror, and I thought it was because you hate Sean Adams, my friend. No, no. But it's the backyard. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want this. To, I mean, like I said, it's my first, first podcast. I don't want it to be too noisy. I want it to be perfect, so... you're. You're doing great. Thank you. The, the thing about a podcast is it's kind of laid back. Awesome. And like people listen to them while they're driving or yeah. they're like, I listen to them while I'm cooking or like doing the dishes. And so, you know, it's, yeah. you're good. It's okay. So I call my friend, my friend, Sean, who does sports stuff. And I say, Hey, do you think, because I've had a couple athletes on the podcast, but usually yeah. it's like the typical author or right. like that kind of person. And he's like, Oh, she'll be great. Yeah. Thank and you. And so I was very excited because like I've, like watched your career and like, oh yeah, you're the girl running the 400 with yeah. the arm sleeves on and all that. And now I know why. Yeah. So this is, uh, I, I'm very honored. So the book came in a couple weeks ago yes. and I had a couple other books I had to read before because I mm-hmm. do this every week. And I was fl- thumbing through your book on a, like last Wednesday night. I was like, okay, I'll read this one this weekend because I have another book I need to read. And then I start reading it. And I read the whole thing last Wednesday. I was oh, like, this is a fun book to read. Thank you so much. And that's what I've been hearing from everyone. It's not been officially out, but people who have pre-ordered it and some people who have gotten it are like, I've read it in a day or two. And I'm like, that makes me so happy because I wanted it to be fun and interesting. I wanted people to, I don't always feel like a chore, like work, like you're doing it just for this interview, <laughs> but I wanted people to feel like they learned a lot and hopefully it inspired them. So that makes me feel really good. Yeah. Did you have aspirations of writing from early yeah. on or... Absolutely. I've always wanted to do a book. And I think maybe about after 2008, I, um, I started to think about what my book would be. But I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Luke. I'm happy I waited till retirement because writing is not easy. You know, yeah. it was really tough. And the book just kept evolving and I kept challenging myself. So I'm happy I waited. Mm-hmm. But I always knew I would be an author. I always knew I'd write a book. Okay. What, what's your process for writing? Did you come at this the same way? You're good. Don't worry about the sound. Don't be My stressed. Husband, I got the TV loud like Luke. I hey, want this to be nice. Can I be honest? Yeah. I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay. I already don't like your husband. <laughs> like this isn't going to change. Okay. Like he can make all the noise and I'm still not going to like him. I uh, love it. <laughs> okay. So did you take yeah. the take on the process yeah. of writing the same way that you did like your athletic career? I do. You know, I'm very goal oriented. And so for me, it's funny when I went to Zondervan, I already, well, I had my initial title. I had my chapters laid out. I knew Every, what, everything I wanted it to be and I'll never forget Carolyn the woman I met she was like no one ever comes to us like this like this book is almost ready to go yeah and of course it came a long way from where I started because mm-hmm. of course you know you're naive when you start the process of but yeah I did it like my track stuff and when I'm like for my Olympic seasons I have my vision board and I put all the goals I want to achieve mm-hmm. I have my time goals so yeah I'm a visual person I like to see things come to life and so yeah, that's what I did with the book too. What like did you write a certain time every day? Did you have a certain amount of no, words you wanted to get? No, what well, well, they told me how many words we needed to have for the book. And I actually worked with someone who helped me because I, I didn't write the book all by myself. I um I don't think I would have been able to do it. So what we did was we would meet every like Wednesday in the beginning and we would talk through the ideas for the chapters. Mm-hmm. Um and then we would record everything and then the woman would help me write and I'd go back and then I would edit everything and read it a million times and edit it again, edit it again. Yeah. But it was kind of like a weekly process of going through, okay, where's the book headed? Where are we with our number count? And how many chapters are we doing? And so, yeah, but it was, it was a lot of fun, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. As, uh, I, I hate even to say that I used to play sports, because in this household, <laughs> I can't say that I was an athlete, because what you are yes, is not can. what I am. Okay. 
But I like the idea of writing, like, I want a coach. I want someone to tell me, okay, yeah. this is wrong. Be direct right. with me. Be yeah. forthright. Let me know what I need to work on. For sure. And I assume, like, that would be a good foundation. So you kind of had basically, like, a coach who was with you the whole time. Yeah, I had a writing coach and someone who was assisting me to write the book. And the, the thing that was really cool was, as the book develops and evolves, because originally I wanted to just do, like, an inspirational book. Yeah. It wasn't even meant to be a memoir at all, like... And then we kept adding in stories, and the more stories we added in, the publishers, everyone who was kind of on the team of editing was like, it's better with this. And so, you know, I ended up landing in a place where it's pretty raw and real and honest, which I'm happy about yeah. because that's what I, I want to do. I want, I've always wanted God to use me to touch other people. And so I think hopefully this book will do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was great to have the guidance of other people who have written and read, you know, tons of books and have the experience to guide me yeah. down the right path. I think you could have just written a, hey, like I'm pretty awesome, like book, <laughs> like, hey, I've been to the Olympics like forever. Yeah, and like, I was awesome from the very beginning. Cause you could write that, like, that's a cool story. Yeah. But like, you included stuff about like your own struggles yeah. and, uh, you know, leaving Jamaica at, you're like 14. I was 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my first question, like, I literally wrote this in my book. I'm going to hold it up and show it to you. Uh, you can't read my writing because I have like terrible handwriting. But like, this was, uh, anger because you left. Like that was my very first question. Yeah. Like, is that, did that, and then of course you talk yeah. about how there was some tension with that. Right. And you put all that in the book, which yeah. made it like really good. Yeah. And you. like one part I'm reading and you, you talk about the abortion. Yeah. And I go, like, do you have to, like, would, you don't have to put that in there. <laughs> yeah. Why would you put something like that personal yeah. in, in the book? Well, I literally prayed about that for almost two years, um, you know, because it is something that's really private and a lot of women don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I think the more so that the book title was we had a different title at first. And when we landed on Chasing Grace for many reasons, um, one, because all my life I felt like I was chasing something, chasing gold medals, chasing the best version of myself, all this stuff. And ultimately what I learned was while I was chasing all these things, what really kept me going was God's grace. Yeah. And um, and so I, you know, ultimately ran into grace. And also I love the word grace because it has the word racing and I've been racing all my <laughs> life. So it's like so many, so many great things about my title. But I think. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Like, that warms my heart so much. Really? Grace because it has the word race racing. in it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's so good. That is too funny. But it's, it's right, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Like I, I'm on board. Okay. Thank like, you. I'm on board with this. So I like it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a fan. Awesome. And so, yeah. So ultimately I felt like if I didn't share the moment of my life where I did feel God's grace the most, I felt like it would have been disingenuous to my journey. Yeah. And so, you know, during that time in 2008, when I found out I was pregnant before the Olympics, it was the toughest time of my life. Um, where in the book I talk about it because as a Christian, as someone who does try to do the right things, I was put in a situation that I never thought I would be in. And Mm -hmm. I get emotional talking about it right now because it really tested me as a human being. And I feel like if it wasn't for God's grace who redeems us and, you know, for me to be able to go back and say, you know what, that one decision, that one mistake doesn't define me. I am... I am the person that I'm striving to be. I have to work on it every single day. And so, yeah, it wasn't an easy story to share. And even, you know, I I think about, oh, my God, I wonder how people are going to receive it. But ultimately, I did it to glorify God and to to tell people that you can come back from any decision, no matter how hard it is to make or no matter what you've thought about in the past, you can you can you can still have God with you along, you know, in the journey. 
so a couple of weeks before the 08 Olympics, yes. you're favored to win. Yes. And uh, you tell a story about at the podium, someone said, we had your name engraved, yes. which is like the worst thing the to worst ever say. Thing. Like, yeah. how rude. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because cultures are so different. And so he was an Asian man. He's a Chinese man for sure. And I, I mean, he definitely did not mean to hurt my feelings. If I were in America, no one would say that because we're a little bit more sensitive to people's feelings. Oh, okay. But it was an Asian gentleman who I don't think he was just like, just shocked. Like, you know, like, we had your name on Gold Medal. Like, yeah. you know, like as if like, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know? So he, she's, he's trying to be somewhat nice. He, like, was, hey, he you're... was trying to be nice. Oh. But it, it, you know, for me, it was like one more like weight on my shoulder and just this other like just the dream being shattered again and again yeah. and again so it was really hard to hear him say that and I broke down again you see in the book I had already broken down and then I was trying to get myself together to go on the podium and then that happens and it's like it's this is too much I can't I couldn't deal with it yeah, yeah. you seem like you you connect your inability to perform up to your standards yeah. which again they're way better than my standards even <laughs> that um like to grieving or dealing with the loss dealing with that I mean how does how do those two things connect well I think that sometimes we try to separate our physical and emotional from our spiritual I don't think you can do that and so I think ultimately for me to perform at my best on the track all of those things have to also be at peak so I can't be emotionally or spiritually so drained and then go out there and run my best race. Yeah. And so I think what happened for me was I ju- I literally did not get any sleep the night before the Olympics. I was literally like having a spiritual warfare where I just felt so unworthy mm-hmm. of the opportunity. And so, you know, that also drained me physically because I didn't get any rest and rest is super important to an mm-hmm. athlete. Um, and then I just, you know, mentally, I just wasn't in it. You know, I wanted to be there and I, I, I felt like if I won, it would take the shame away yeah but then there was another part of me that was like I don't deserve this victory and so I think I I don't like to say I succumbed to that because you know the athletes ran well that day and you know everyone deserves their medals but a part of me feels like I almost like just fell apart and just couldn't I couldn't walk into that that destiny on that day yeah well, track's one of those sports where you can say, look at my numbers like yeah. that. You know, it's not like <laughs> right. other sports where you can right. blame a whole lot. of. I mean, you look at the numbers and go, yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't my best performance. And yeah. if I would have run even one of my top five times that season, I would have won the Olympics. So, yeah, it's, it's tough to go back and, and rationalize that to myself yeah. because it's such a huge lost opportunity. And, you know, I, I could have been a back-to-back Olympic champion. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have won in 2012. I don't know what, you know, my yeah. future would have been had I won in 08. But. Yeah, it was, it was a really tough time. It, it seemed like in the book, you, you tell a story like the podium, and then you have the breakdown on the bus, yeah. and you kind of get lost. Yeah. And, but you seem like in the time period between that and the... Re, the yeah, the 4 by 4 Yeah, you, you'd seem like you'd gotten some grace, like yes. some peace in there. I did. Um, that experience um, that I had um, on the streets of Beijing when I got off the bus is the most profound experience of my life, because... I talk about it in the book where I say, you know, as Christians, sometimes you kind of experience God like from the bleachers, you know, like, you know, sitting in your seat um, and you feel like you know who that God is when the preacher talks about him or whatever. But then there are times in life if you're fortunate where you experience him for yourself. And for me on the streets in Beijing, when I felt literally emotionally, physically lost, um, God wrapped his arms around me and mm. nobody has to try to tell me God is real or not. Cause I know for sure. Cause I experienced him for myself Yeah, and he just hugged me and told me he loved me and I was going to be okay. And 
you know, it's, it's like a piece that people say that, that really surpasses human understanding because all of a sudden I just felt like, oh my God, God has already forgiven me. Now I got to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it still didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like I just all of a sudden, oh, I'm a changed woman. I'm the, you know, yeah. it wasn't that, but there was just, a st- it was the beginning of recovery for yeah. me. And so, yes, yeah, so I stayed with my parents. Um, I didn't go back to the village for like two days because I think I had three or four days between the 400 and the four by four. And I, you know, talked to my family, we prayed and it was just a really great time for us. And then I was able to come back out on the track feeling revived and energized. And I had an amazing experience running from behind and beating Team Russia. So, you know, I, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I watched that. I went and watched that again. And like, this is the easiest book to prepare for because I can just like <laughs> YouTube right? you for stuff and it's way more fun. And so like you, like it's like you came back, you beat the, the Russian, yeah. like take down the communist way to go, <laughs> USA, USA. Yeah. Um, and so there's like that neat moment. Yeah. But I like how you describe like, like that was the beginning. Yeah. Because often for many of us, like receiving forgiveness isn't right. like this momentary thing. It's like right. this long drawn out process. If you're counseling another woman who's yeah. gone through this, sure. how would you kind of timeline like the recovery process? Well, that's hard, Luke, because I think for me even, like to be honest, so my coach got the book maybe a day ago and he didn't know. I didn't tell a lot of people in my life. You know? Really? I, no one knew. It was my mom, my sister, my husband. My dad didn't know for many years and he's like an integral part of my life. My strength coach still doesn't know. He's going <laughs> to know yeah. when he gets his book. And so I think there was a part of healing that came back up as I was writing this. Yeah. I didn't even know, you know, it's like you, you press on, you know, you keep moving, you put your makeup on and you keep living life. But I think even now I'm still healing from it. And I think that this process of writing it, sharing it, talking to you, talking to yeah. God willing, lots of women who are in the same space is going to keep helping me to, to heal and to grow. But, you know, I think ultimately it's understanding that God has forgiven you. I think when you do that, yeah. then, you know, it really helps you to process that. Look, God doesn't love the way I love. You know, he loves me unconditionally mm-hmm. and we all make mistakes. That's why we're human. You know, we're all human. So, yeah, but it's it's definitely a process. Everyone is different. And, you know, I think now I'm not going to say that the wound is nearly as raw or as Mm -hmm. deep as it was in 2008. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I still if if I read it now, I cry about it and I still Mm. feel broken about it because I just wish I never did that. But God restores because, you know, it's um, time for that. So I'm excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is a uh, Franciscan priest I'm a big fan of, his name Richard Rohr. Mm-hmm. And once he told me, he said, Luke, after the age of 30, success has nothing it can teach you. Mm. It's like only failures that we really grow from. Yeah. And so I liked in wow. the book how you were like, like going back to like, these are failures yeah. that, that taught me something. Yeah. Um, and of course, you got the baby now. Yes. And uh, okay, let's go back to last year, mm-hmm. the, um, the U.S. Olympic trials mm-hmm. which were in Oregon yes right and you just got back from from announcing it where was you where were you calling the race last week right oh yeah Oregon at, at the, the Prefontaine, Prefontaine Classic yes see yeah Luke you're on it you're yeah. on it <laughs> I'm a professional yes, I know what I'm are. doing okay so a, a year ago you're at that same track that yeah. you were calling this last weekend yeah. and like you're hamstring or quad yeah I tore my hamstring hamstring and so yeah. you got it wrapped you got the k-tape all over yes. it I'm like <laughs> Okay, I know how this ends, but it's just like, yeah. you, this did not look very good, quite yeah. ominous. Look, like anytime you have a, a leg that wrapped up, it's yeah, not a good sign. And you, you don't finish the race. Right. And the interview after with mm-hmm. the tall guy who always does Lewis all the- Lewis Johnson. Lewis, that's yeah. right. You were so gracious in that. Yeah, thank you. Was there a sense of like, 
you knew it, like yeah. there was a really good chance this race wasn't going to go your way. Yeah, you know, I think it's funny because that's one of the things my father kind of always taught me as I was growing up was, you know, you're going to be humble in victory and gracious in defeat. Yeah. I didn't always master that. But like you said, as I got older, I think I was able to be more gracious in those moments. Um, and so, yeah, I pulled my hamstring muscle about three to four weeks prior to the Olympic trials. And I had a grade two tear. The doctors were like, look, you need six to eight weeks. So I, I kind of knew yeah. that it was going to be a long shot to be able to compete for the Olympic team. But there's something about Hayward Field that I just, you know, it's, it's been such a special part of my career that I had to go. I had to try. And, um, and I think athletes, you just always, you know, you're like, I can do this. Like, on this yeah. day, I'm going to be fine, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was tough um, to, to experience that. But, yeah, it was uh, the part of me kind of knew and I was okay spiritually, emotionally kind of letting that part of my life go. Yeah. Well, I was sad for you. Yeah, thank you. I was that too. <laughs> okay, so you talk in the book about Marion Jones, who was yeah. a hero for yeah. you growing up. I remember I watched her in, uh, I was working in San Francisco, like 99 or 2000. Yep. I was interning for summer. And so she was running at a, uh, at a race over on campus at Stanford in Palo Alto. And she, I watched her on the 100. She just killed it. Dominant. Yeah. And Super talented athlete, national champion on the basketball court yeah. for UNC, yeah. obviously all the gold medals and everything. Yeah. And uh, she, obviously the drugs, right. the Balcos, yeah. all that. Um, destroyed her legacy, destroyed what she accomplished. Yeah. And you talk in the book about how the, one of the problems is that it doesn't show the roller coaster of success. Exactly. Explain the roller coaster of success and how like PEDs prevent people from experiencing that. Yeah. Um, so to me, that was also a um, chapter where I really wanted to share my heart because I think that when I think about the public perception of what Marion did, I've, of course, I've forgiven her. But I think a lot of times we forget about the little Sonyas um, who watched her and wanted to be like her. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I'll never forget growing up um, and going to high school and watching Marion Jones. And I'm not, it's funny, I'm not the type of person who idolizes people. You know, I like people, I love people. But Marion Jones kind of for me was like everything I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, I saw myself in her. Like I did a long jump in high school. Like I can win five gold medals, you know? And so I defended her on, so, I mean, it's like this woman was so talented before. Like yeah. when, when I think for sure there's no way she was using steroids in high school. Like there are times where I feel like you look at her progress and this is all natural. Yeah. And so for me, you know, it's just like, I think that it puts this unrealistic standard on people. Like when Marion Jones goes undefeated and wins all these medals, then it's like, okay, the bar is set so high that kids who are trying to get to that level believe that that's real and so it's hard for me because for someone like myself who never took any steroids all my medals will stay in my cabinet Mm -hmm. you know I had that up and down that I think is the true depiction of success you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna be ill you're gonna have injuries like these things happen and so you know I just think it it, it broke my heart to see that Marion Jones didn't believe in herself enough or I don't know what it was. Like, you know, I always waited for her to say, I got gr- something. Tell me something yeah. that I can hold on to as to why you chose to cheat as opposed to going out there and seeing if you're the best on that day, every day, which is what I think athletes should do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a chapter that's close to my heart. I know people were like, oh, I don't know if you should write about it. But, you know, I just I felt like I wanted to and I'm happy I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had uh, a friend of mine who was playing uh, – in the minor league system of the Braves. And uh, I was undergrad still, and he was you know, back for 
like winter or whatever, whenever they're not playing. And uh, he was talking to me about how it's mostly in baseball, pitchers to use steroids, not the batters, mm-hmm. because it prevents injuries. Right. And I was just thinking about, okay, so you're just trying to prevent injury. Everyone's wearing down. You want to have breaks or what? I don't understand. I don't. I, I'm, a, I'm not, I'm not professional buying either. that. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't know, whatever. But yeah. I think like if you're in the system where everyone's doing this right. and you're so disadvantaged, like right. you're going to get nicks and, and bruises right. and, and grade two hamstring tears and right. you want to get back faster. Right. And you're at a disadvantage because the system around you is broken. Right. Not everyone can, can relate to like steroids affecting their earning potential right but we can look around and go everyone has a broken system that's right uh advantages those who take it shortcuts of course how do you not think okay that time when you were the season that you're trying to go from just running the four to also running the two right like maybe just a little (laughs) maybe a cycle or two couldn't hurt no and i think and you're absolutely right and that's what life is there's temptation all around us whether it's in sports or anything else but i think that we should all strive to live a life with integrity. And I think when you look at sports in particular, I think it's, unf- like it's, it's all about doing it fairly. Like I'm, I'm going to go out here and bust my butt and train every single day. And my hope is that I can trust you to do the same. And so, you know, I, I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I just can't sympathize with the person who takes a shortcut in sports when they know how hard it is to get to the top of that podium. Hmm. And I think about, like, there's a woman, Shantae Lowe, who, phenomenal high jumper, who ended up getting her bronze medal from the Olympics five or six years later mailed to her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's nothing like standing on the podium when you've done hmm. really well. And there are people who steal that from others who do it the right way by using performance-enhancing drugs. And I don't know, I just, I just don't, I, I don't have a lot of wiggle room on it. I guess because I'm in it. I just feel like do it the right way or just leave it alone because there's so many of us who want to do it the right way, you know, and want to compete with integrity and want to represent God and our families and our country well. And so, you know, I get it. Like even especially in baseball, you talk about baseball where it really is like, or even cycling, you know, where when I want, when you watch the Lance Armstrong story and he's like, look, it was the culture of our sport. Like, but still, like, does that mean? <laughs> does it mean that you just do the wrong thing because everybody else is doing it? Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Well, how do you make peace with the uh, the record holder in the four hundred? Yeah. East German, right, Marita Koch. And based, on, you talk yeah. about this in the book. Like, there's yeah. the way, like, her progress and how yeah. the sport is not caught up to that. Oh yeah. It's it. It's there's obvious. a lot of reason to think that's absolutely not a. Yeah. I think your language was. The uh, the record was created in, in a, a lab. lab. Yeah. yeah. Which, throwing a little shade there, I like that. <laughs> How do you make peace with, yeah. like, you're, you're never able to live up to that record? Exactly. Obviously, I've been able to live up to not ever setting a world record. <laughs> if you need tips on how to do that, right. I've been doing it a lot longer than you. Um, not that much longer. <laughs> but, um, but no, you know, I think that it's always been a struggle for me um, because I think... 100% of people in track and field believe that that record was doped. Yeah. Um, because there's actually been um, research and her name, it's, 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 there's a lot of evidence out there that shows that everyone around her, and even her name was included, cheated. And then you look at the times and how quickly they dropped. Like, you don't see that ever happen where you go from 51 seconds progression and all of a sudden the women are running 47, 60, and it's been over 30 years and no one can even, we, no one has even run 47. You know, we're barely running 48. So I run 48, 70 has been the fastest time in the last 20 years. Can so, we just pause for a second? That's pretty cool to say. <laughs> Thank you. Like, have you gotten like, are you just so used to that that it's not like, 
just, <laughs> no one's run that 48-7 in the last 20 years, except me. Like, that still has to be pretty cool. Tell me you smile. Like, you're smiling right now. That I makes, do. I okay. do. I mean, I, and that's how I make peace with it is because I know that I did something clean through hard work, through having great team members and support. Um, and no one can take that away from me. So, you know, there's, I think there's perso- personal gratification that comes with, you know, working hard and achieving something. Um, but yeah, you know, there's actually been talks about in our sport about them um, removing those world records and starting from 2005. And if they did that, I would be the world record holder in the 400. So I'm a little biased. I think it's a great <laughs> idea. Um, but, you know, I think this I think it would be great for the sports to try to rectify some of those yeah. unfortunate instances, because, yes, they weren't able to test like they're testing now. So I don't think that I don't think the sport wanted to have, mm-hmm. you know, all these records that weren't um, fair records. But it is what it is. And I think they should try to correct it now. Well, I'll retweet that if you send a link out, I'll sign it. I'll retweet awesome. that. I'll support that. <laughs> OK, so. Again, I I hate even saying that I ran track in the same room as you because it's a, a different category. But I was a pole vaulter back in oh, the day. Cool. And every time I've used a pole vaulting illustration in a sermon, which, by the way, I've never used performance-enhancing drugs for my sermons. They're all natural sermons. <laughs> um, it, I've tried to use pole vaulting illustrations, and they never work. Like, they, everyone's just like, start curl press? Like, uh, I don't... I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't... It, it, it never... <laughs> It never works. But the 400, like everyone, okay, we can get that. Yeah. And so you use the, like the breakdown of, okay, let me see if I get this right. Yes. Uh, push. Yes. Uh, pace. Yes. Position. Yes. And poise. Poise. You're the bomb. Yes. The four Ps. Say yes. that again in case everyone didn't hear that. Luke, you're the bomb. <laughs> you're the bomb, Luke. Okay, so thank you. That's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> so you have, like, it's a beautiful race. Yeah. I think you said in the book that people give more love to the 100. Yeah. The 400, like that's the coolest race, I, mean, I think. I think so too. First of all, we get to go one full lap around the track. So mm-hmm. the track was just made for the 400, right? Yes. Um, and then also too, what makes the 400 so special is it's not just about speed or strength. There's also strategy. Yeah. You got to be, it's a thinker's race. Like you can't just go out there and just like go for broke. Because mm-hmm. then, yeah, you know, something bad will happen at the end of the race. So I personally fell in love with the 400 over time. Mm-hmm. It's a hard race to run. It's really hard. But it's a beautiful race when, it, when, when everything clicks and you get it right. Yeah. Again, that's why I wasn't a 400 person because <laughs> I wasn't fast or strong or smart. So I just, I just did what I did. Um, so you use that as a metaphor yes. for how to live yeah. and... Um, Okay, let's, let's just go through. Let's sure. start with push. Yeah. So push is the first phase of the 400, and that's where you got to get out as fast as you can um, and get your rhythm going. And I, I think there's a lot of times in life where push, you know, you're in the push phase of life. And that's like when you first have an idea and you want to get started and, okay, you're motivated to do this thing. I think the push phase is a lot of times is the easiest phase of doing yeah. something because it's fresh and for in the 400, you have a lot of energy, so it's easy to kind of do that phase of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pace part of the race is after 50 meters to the 200-meter mark. That was always one of the tougher parts of the race for me because as a sprinter who was a speed quarter miler, which means that I'm usually faster than everyone in the field, it was hard for me to find my rhythm and pace myself down the back. That, that was my problem, too. I was yeah. just so fast, <laughs> I could never pace it. <laughs> And so that's where I would struggle and, you know, Coach Hart and I would go back and forth on what's the right pace for me on the backstretch. And 
I think it's the same in life. Once you've got going, you've gotten going, you got to find your rhythm and your routine. What works? How can I keep this going? What, do, what are the markers that I need to be hitting to reach my next, you know, the next phase of life? Um, and then the third phase of the race is called positioning. And I think this is the most important phase of the race and the most important phase of life because at the 200 meter mark, this is where I start to look and see where I am. Where's my competition? And I got to have the courage at this time in the race to go for it. Like if I don't pick up my pace, if I don't decide I want to win the race in this phase, it's not going to happen. And the same thing in life. You know, this is where you got to say, okay, am I going to make that move to L.A. for my dreams? Am I going to go to law school? You know, you're going to have to decide something at this time in your life that's going to make the decision or is going to set you up for success. Mm-hmm. And then the final phase of the race, um, and I hate to say the final phase of life, because you know <laughs> it's not the final phase of life. We go through all these phases over and over again, but yeah. it's staying poised. And that just means you've done all the work, and now is not a time to let fear or doubt. You can't start to flail. You have to just trust that everything you've done is going to pay off. Same thing in life. If you've gotten the interview, now you got to go in there. You got to be poised. You know, you got to yeah. be. You got to know. Look, I've done the research. I've done the work. I'm ready. I'm. You know, I'm uniquely prepared for this position. And so, you know, that's what we talk about. And then the fifth, the silent P is is pray. It's prayer. Yeah. Being staying prayerful. I like that the preacher forgot to say prayer. Like that's <laughs> that's a really good one on my part. No, but it's good because it is the secret P. It's the one that you know. And it's funny because we joke about it in the four hundred, right? Like you better pray that last fifty, you know, because it hurts so much. <laughs> but really, you know, my 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 coach was a Christian man, and my entire team, we all knew that the gift I had was from God, and it mm-hmm. was a blessing. And so I always tried to honor Him with my with my gift. Yeah. And so you know, staying prayerful throughout the entire journey of life, I think, is the most important thing that we can do. And so that's kind of the silent and yeah. P. That's good. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, that, that'd be a good book. Like, you should write that down. <laughs> you should write that in there. Thanks, Coach. I'm happy that my coach he inspired me. <laughs> when okay, so you and your husband both retired early 30s. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so most people are like just pushing at 30, and you're like, yeah. you're, like most of right. us are in like this. Like I'm a little bit older than you. Just a little. You can tell by my maturity. Uh, <laughs> if you have any questions about life, let me know. But like, I feel like I'm in the like the the back two like the yeah the pacing phase yeah, yeah yeah and you guys are at a stage where like what do you do now it seems yeah. like you've accomplished so much right and you retire mm-hmm. is it weird to kind of process life at a different like sort of like gestational process than yes. most people absolutely because i think and that's why i say poise is not necessarily the last phase of life because you can go back and repeat all these cycles over and over again and i think for ross and i the last couple years were you know the, the last part of our careers But now it's like exciting because we're back in the push phase of life. You know, my husband and I started a new business and, you know, it's not easy. You know, we're we're in um, uncharted territories for ourselves and unfamiliar waters. And, you know, it's like, okay, we got to put in those 10,000 hours again if this business is going to be successful. Um, But the nice thing is when you've done the first part of it, right, you know, you go in with a little bit of like, you know, credibility. And so people are excited to work with us and see what we're going to do next. But, you know, it's it's been it's an amazing journey. And um, I'm excited about this new phase of my life and, you know, using all of that experience from the track to do other things, including being a mother. It's like a lot of I feel really cool and excited about this phase of life. Yeah, it's neat that. During the post-race interview last year at mm-hmm. the um, the Olympic trials, <laughs> yeah. you say you want to do two things. You say you want to write a book and yeah. you want to be a mom. Yes. And here you are, check, pregnant check. <laughs> with the book. It's like yeah. the baby's in the tummy, the book's on the couch right next yeah. to you. Yeah, I mean that's pretty exciting. Yeah, thank you. And um, 
I don't know. It's, it's, been, it's been the biggest blessing of my life is a lot of times, like I told you, Luke, I make a vision board. I'm very prayerful. I try to listen and order, you know, listen to the order of my life based on what God has for me. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do run ahead of God. I have an yeah. issue pacing myself. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a blessing. These are the two things I really wanted to do next. And, you know, I can't make the baby happen. So that's a blessing from God. Like my husband tried a lot. <laughs> Finally <laughs> worked. Um, and so I'm excited about that. And yeah, I just had a great team that helped me to get in front of the right people to, mm-hmm. to get this book done. So yeah, my two, I got two of the most yeah. important things done. So yeah. I heard a rumor that you have a three book deal. Yes. So you're going to keep on writing. No. So here's how it worked. It was really awesome. So we started off with the one book. And I told Zondervan when I first visited with them that I really wanted to do a teen book. Like I really wanted to write to young girls. Mm-hmm. That was my first vision. Um, and then, you know, she's like, okay, so as we, as it evolves, everything, they came back and said, hey, do you want to do the teen and the kids book, a version of what you're writing now? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. So the kids book is actually going to be out at the same time on June 6th. You can get Run With Me. That's for eight to 12 year olds. And then Chasing Grace is the adult book. So you get three in one? And then the teen book is out top of next year. Yes. Wait, so there's a kids book like? Eight to 12. Okay. So that one's I've got called, an eight-year-old. Yeah, so that was called Run With Me. How come they didn't send me that one? I know. I'll give you one. Look I have you. one here, You're so I'll so give nice. you one. And I'm going to give you the good one of that one, too, because that's like, like the... No. It's like hard copy. Like, that's the advanced copy one But I got have. all my, my marks and stuff well, in here already. Well, keep that one, and then the other one will, will sign it, and we'll, it'll be like we'll official. the pretty one. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the 8 to 12 one is... It's, and it's super cool. I love it because, of course, it's, you know adapted for their age group but what's cool uh-huh. too is i and i loved this part element it has the element of faith in it mm-hmm. but it also has like you know where it talks about jamaica and then there's like a little sidebar that tells you where jamaica is the population so mm-hmm. they're learning about you know cities that i visited or you know all there's little bits of history in the book or mm-hmm. you know which i think is really cool because at that age they should be usually very curious and inquisitive yeah. and they don't know a lot of these things so um, that's the kids book and I'm excited about that book. And then the teen book I love because of course it's also, it's not as intense as the adult book. It doesn't have the abortion story in there. You probably could really cut out of that yeah, one. We yeah, we cut a few stories out of that one. But what it does and I really like is that at the end of every chapter of the teen book, there's a challenge for the teen. So who are you going to identify as your team? You know, what are you doing towards your goal? Who are the, you know, so it's really cool because it's like something that they can interact with mm-hmm. and help them to set goals. So yeah, so three books. At the same wow. time. Wow. Yeah. You're like dominating here. <laughs> Thank you. In, in the book, you talked about the uh, uh, reality show yes. that you guys had for a while. Yes. Now, I don't, like I got nothing against reality shows. Right. I just don't like really watch I them. I understand. And I read like your critique of the experience. Like you didn't always yes. tell your story, right? Right. And that's kind of like where I don't right. like to, to, to watch them as much. I get and it. And you have, in the book, you said you might yes. be open to do another one in the future. Yes. I got one for you. I got a pitch for you. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Creed, the new Creed movie, like the new Rocky movie with Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester yes, Stallone? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, here's the yes. story. Okay. Okay. We'll call it mm-hmm. Pulpit to Podium. Ooh. And here's, I'll be Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> you'll be Stallone. Right. Okay, I only went to high school for three years and then I really? went to college. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. Like LeBron, but like with just... <laughs> college and I didn't make any money but so I got one year high school left and this show could be you training me for my senior year at the age of 36 to run the quarter I love it I think it'd be a great show how you think anybody would tune in or you think we'd be the only ones that well I don't know I think you could be a good Sylvester Stallone I think I could be a good Michael B. Jordan I think so I think so yeah how long would it take you to get me to be able to run like 
uh, a 55 400 right now. Oh, I'd whip you into shape quick. You think quick. you could? Oh, 55, we'd kill that. Here's another question. You're how many weeks, weeks pregnant right 28 now? 28 weeks. 28 weeks pregnant. How many weeks pregnant would you have to be for me to be able to beat you in a race? <laughs> I think you can beat me now. You think so? I think so. I'll take that. I don't believe you at all. <laughs> Not at all. I think you can beat me now. I am. Um, I haven't really done any running, so I'm a bum. You would beat me for sure. So I had. Um, <laughs> okay, so I walked on at uh, the track team where I went to college, ACU, mm-hmm. and there was uh, a lady on the track team named uh, Dello. Delarine Ennis. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. Delarine Ennis. Yeah, it was yeah. Lincoln Ennis, and then yeah. was back to. But Lincoln was her husband. Yeah, and, um, and so he, I think he ran for Trinidad. Yes, I'm familiar with them. Okay, and I remember being uh, a walk on, and I was in the weight room after practice in mm-hmm. the fall, and like I just got there. Like, okay, we'll walk on. Let's see what we can do here. And so I'm doing bench press. I'm like. Yeah. Eh, 225 like I'm feeling good yeah. like working like doing a working set of 10 like yeah. okay maybe I belong here and I look over and I think she's doing the same weight as me no. and I'm like oh yeah that's uh, that's why you <laughs> that and I'm I'm just a walk on and I'll be walking well, out you'd have been outlifting me I'm not lifting 225 so well she's a beast okay well her their uh their kid's name I forget the the language it was in, but it was translated to English as gold. Wow. Like kind of like putting some high hopes on their yeah. kid's future athletic career. Yeah. Are you going to name your boy like something like <laughs> Hall of Fame or something to put like, <laughs> put that pressure no. on him? No, we're absolutely not going to do that. We're still been discussing names, but we like we it's so funny like my husband and I are like the opposite of that we're like we don't want him to feel any pressure we don't even want him to know we played sports until he's you know because we didn't have that we didn't have any pressure growing up and we really fell in love with our sports and got to progress you know steadily so we you know I don't know if we'll be able to hide it from him but um no we're definitely not gonna do that well like when he runs a four or five at the age of five (laughs) I think he's gonna know something (laughs) but there's something like real to that because yeah Obviously, I'm a pastor of a church, yeah. and I want my kids to have faith, yes, right. but I don't want to make them feel like they have to be leaders in the church right. and like their life to be church. Of course. And so you want them to care about right. God and faith, but yeah. you don't want to force them, like, you don't have to be a preacher like I'm a preacher exactly. just because that's what everyone knows me as right. at like our church. Right. I would assume y'all situation is much more magnified than that as yeah. athletes in Austin where you both went to school and all yeah. that. But, yeah, no, but it's exactly the same thing. Like, you know... I think genes will definitely play a part in it. I think he will have, of course, obviously great genes, but you got to have the desire to be great. And so we mm-hmm. don't want to force that. You know, if he loves it, he loves it. If he wants to be a pastor, we'll be there in the front row. Give my, give my exactly. number. Exactly. I'll, I'll be his coach. <laughs> exactly. I like how you, he's going to have great genes. You're not saying that arrogantly. Like, that's just no. matter of fact. Like, yeah. you... <laughs> it well, is a, you know, it's funny because ever since I got pregnant and people, like... It's insane, right? People keep talking about how great our kid's going to be. I said to my dad, because my dad was a really good soccer Mm -hmm. player in Jamaica, like really, really good. Like if my dad would have existed in a different time, he could have been one of the greatest soccer players of all time. Everyone says it, like in Jamaica. I never saw him really Mm. play, but he was that talented. And so I asked him, I said, uh, you know, kind of jokingly, I was like, did you pick my mom? Because, you know, you knew you guys would have, you know, (laughs) me. And he, so we were laughing about it. But genes definitely does play a part in that, right? And so Ross's mom was a great um, track and field star. His dad played football. So, you know, yeah, I think, you know, we know for sure he'll have that. But will he want to do it? You know, my sister had the same genes and she didn't want to run track. And she could have been great. But, you know, so we'll see. (laughs) There was... uh a pair of twins on the track team at AC when I ran and I was talking with them. This is the same time right after Della like embarrassed me mm-hmm. with the bench press <laughs> and we're sitting under like the bleachers, like in the equipment room or waiting for something. And they're like, um, 
just making small talk. Like, I don't know anything about the Newhouse twins at this point. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about, oh, yeah, did your dad play football? I said, yeah, my dad played football for a handful of years. And mm-hmm. so, did y'all's dad play football? Yeah, yeah, he played for 10 years. And uh, they said, where'd your dad play? I said, oh, you know, Richardson High School. And yeah. where did your dad play? Oh, like for Dallas, like for the <laughs> Cowboys <laughs> right. for 10 years. Right. Bob Newhouse. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why you. <laughs> but, like, I would dominate them in Bible trivia. Like, Absolutely. I would kill them. <laughs> Okay, let me say what else is dominant. This book, Chasing Grace, this is such a fun book to read. Thank you. I, think, I appreciate you writing this, and uh, well done. Thank you so much, Luke. Yeah. I love it. Thank Congrats you. on your first podcast, too. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> All right, friends, hope you enjoyed that one. Also, don't forget our sponsor for this episode, Podbean the all-in-one podcast publishing and hosting platform. It's the easiest way to get started in podcasting. And Podbean's mobile app for Android and iOS allows podcasters to record and publish podcasts right from their phone. So go check it out. We'll see you next time. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you back here next time.